we go. Holiday special. Corey Gibson, Adam Gorney, John Garcia Jr. Of course, we're back for another week of the mush. Pretty good week last time. Let's see a recap. I think John and I went six and four. Gorney went four and six. Yeah. Kansas State really was a brutal hit for all of us as well as uh, Missouri. But it was a short week of games. This week we have definitely loaded up. I think I got 16 games for us. So the experts and myself, we will hopefully pick a lot more winners and add up the total really quick. Adam, you are 62 and 68. John, climbing back 61 and 69. And myself, a smooth 500 of 65 and 65. We will continue. We will move on. And we will start. I have a nice balance this week, Gorney. I got some good ones in the beginning, then our normal games, and then the bangers at the end. All right. Yeah, I, I like week, week 13, I'm finally learning how to do the show. <laughs> Here we go. Texas A&M is going to LSU 11 and a half. Yes. So you think that this could be an LSU blowout maybe. Uh, Texas A&M has an interim coach. It's a rivalry game, but is it really that like a classic rivalry? No, not really. I like LSU here. Uh, they're going to be able to throw the ball. Um, their five LSU is also five and oh in their last five times they've played AM at home, but also five and oh against the spread. So I can see a 38 24 kind of game here, a respectable performance by Texas AM, but Jaden Daniels going for that Heisman and, and AM doesn't have a full time coach. So I'm going to take LSU here. Yeah, that last point is, is really where I'm on. Uh, this is his last chance to showcase anything, although he's probably proven enough w without this game to win the Heisman. This is his last physical chance because there is no conference title game for the Tigers. So, yeah, I think uh, Brian Kelly, everybody should be, you know, pushing towards uh, getting the nod for, for Jaden Daniels, and I think he should. You know, this A&M pass coverage unit isn't the best in the country, as you mentioned, Gorney, uh, also an interim coach. So everything on the table for LSU and really only a spoiler role for AM, um, that that's not enough. And I do think the Tigers can cover. Yeah, and let me jump in here too and say there's rumors about Evan Stewart going to the portal with Alabama being a potential destination. You know, a lot of those kids, and like it or not, a lot of those kids went to AM because of NIL money, um, you know, and Jimbo being there. So without him being there, I, I you know, they might play hard for Elijah Robinson. They like him very much, but I just think they get overwhelmed, and, and their offense is kind of crappy, too. Yeah, I'm going to go LSU, LSU here as well. I mean, you guys made all the points. John, I was going to say, we might have to go back and clip. I think, isn't Jaden Daniels your Heisman Trophy pick for the year? He was he was either my – for sure my SEC player of the year preseason and kind of my dark horse Heisman. But, yes, please, anything to let us uh, look a little better than we have on this pod, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to go back and clip it. But, yeah, LSU is definitely the play here. Uh, surprisingly, I was going to say 11.5 is not a scary number, which is kind of wild to say. Um, but it's just not that scary. All right, the big Thursday game, Ole Miss going to Mississippi State. And Mississippi State gets 10 points. Yeah, uh, I love the under here. Let me just give you some stats on, on this game. Um Hold on, let me pull it up. Last time, five, last five times they've played at Mississippi State under. Last five times they've played this this game, it's been under. Um, and when you take when you look at unders like that, you take the underdog. So I think I'm going to take Mississippi State here. 
Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you another stat here. This is this has kind of always been a quirky game, but the last five, the last four times they've played this game, uh, it's been a two point, ten point, seven point, and one point decision. Um, and there have only been two blowouts basically in the last decade and both by Mississippi state 35 to three in 2018 and 55, 20 in 2016. So this is a game that's at Mississippi state. Uh, again, they're without a coach, but I'm not sure that they loved Zach Arnett in the first place. Uh, they will play hard. Ole Miss is better and Ole Miss will win the game, but I think I'll take the points here in the, in a, in a rivalry game and on the road. I'm with you, Gorney. The under feels more comfortable than the game spread itself. I will say this, though. You know, this this isn't Matt Luke trotting out the Rebels here. This is Lane Kiffin, where there's always something at play. And one of the tells for Lane, at least in my experience covering him, is if he starts talking crap within the week, you should probably feel good about the Rebels. And he's already saying that the cowbells should be illegal. Uh, already kind of trying to almost hype this game up a little more. So that tells me he's really confident. So with it being 10 flat and not 10 in the hook, I actually like Ole Miss to potentially cover this thing. I just don't see how Mississippi State can generate enough offense to compete. So I do think the Rebels uh, maybe start out slow, but eventually uh, cover this 10 points. Give me Lane Kiffin. I agree with Lane. I mean, Noisemakers are not allowed in stadiums, except this one stadium. So why? With why the loudest noisemaker. <laughs> and they're, they're so annoying and loud. I mean, all 75 people in Starkville are woken up by by <laughs> those cowbells. Uh, it's just, it's so dumb that it's allowed. It should not be allowed. I agree with Lane. I stand with Lane Kiffin here. Yeah, I'm going to go Ole Miss. Even though I hate Ole Miss on the road this year, I just don't love the way they play, just the confidence, but you guys are totally right. Like Lane, just being Lane, like on a road game is everything I need to take them at that at that 10 mark. Um, I was going to say, Gordy, is, uh, did they ever do the SNL skit of like, we need more cowbell? Like, more is, cow- is that- I actually do think they play that video. Yeah. They have to, they have to play it if they want to get the crowd going. It's like, oh, yeah. I got a fever. Um, but anyways, that's my old man joke for the day. All right, um, we move on to Texas Tech going to Texas, 12 and a half. Yeah, so I, I tried to figure out what the Big 12 play in, like the championship game looks like, and I, and honestly, it was so confusing, I couldn't <laughs> understand. I, I think if Texas wins this game, they're in. If they lose, they're out. And, but I don't know who's in if they're out. So, so Texas Tech could play spoiler here. If this game was in Lubbock, I would be a little concerned, but I think Texas puts the pedal to the metal here a little bit. Um, Texas Tech is a is a team that fights hard, and I like what Joey McGuire is doing there. But this this game actually has, you know, Big Twelve implications, potentially national, you know, college football playoff implications. Um, and and Texas Tech has squeaked by Kansas and UCF the last two weeks. I see this. As a comfortable Texas win, they blow leads in the second half, so I'm worried about a backdoor situation. Um, but Texas has a lot to play for here, um, and Texas Tech is already in a bowl game at 6-5, and five, so I'm going to take the horns. Yeah, not much to add on to that. Texas is healthy. Their defense has quietly been very good, so I don't think Texas Tech 
gets you know into the 20s in this game, and that Texas offense will continue to roll uh, as far as Quinn Ewers, Brooks, and, and the crew are concerned. They cover. Yeah, easy Texas. Actually, Gorney, I was going to go away from you for half a second. I was like, I actually like sometimes Texas on the road. I feel like this year Texas at home, for whatever reason, struggles to cover. But like you said, there's just too much going on. There's no way they're not going to leave anything left on the table. It's all gas, no breaks this weekend for the Longhorns. It's going to be gonna be a bloodbath. So, yeah, we just jinxed them. Thanks, John. Thanks. John. <laughs> all right. This is a game here that I thought was like, I actually think it's a really good game, and it kind of shows you how good the week is because it's not that much hype around it because it's going to get overshadowed. But Kentucky's going to Louisville 7. Yeah, so this is a this is a this is an interesting game. Um, if you could have gotten Kentucky at plus two and a half and now up to seven, uh, that would have been a nice middle situation. I think seven is too many points. This is again a rivalry game. I understand Kentucky's been struggling, but let's also not forget that they're playing an SEC schedule and Louisville is playing an ACC schedule. Let's also not forget that Kentucky is six and one against the spread the last seven times in this series. Now, you know, Jeff Brom is a man among men, you know, like he is awesome. He has the greatest XFL quote of all time, but he's been sneaking by guys as well. Miami seven in a close game, Virginia seven in what should have been a blowout. Other than that really uh, that major stumble against Pitt, which is just now probably just eating at him because if not, they'd probably be, in the college football playoff discussion. Um, I think this game is just closer. I'll give it 24-20, 35-31. I'm actually leaning higher because this game does go over a lot. Um, so I'll give it 35-31. I'll take Kentucky here. Yeah, I'm co-signing with the boss again. I, I think Kentucky's got a lot to play for here. They've been close on their end in a lot of their conference games. So to bring a rivalry element to it, I think we'll – We'll say a lot, and I think Mark Stoops has, you know, his job's not on the line or anything, but perception for this season might still be on the line. So uh, a way to knock off your rival in-state who's, you know, going to their conference title game, I think that'd be the perfect recipe to the point where I think Big Blue can maybe win this one straight up. Like you said, Gorney, Louisville has kind of been limping by some some programs here that that they shouldn't have, and I think that eventually catches up to you. So maybe it's here as the Cardinals look ahead to Florida State in that ACC title game. I was hoping I was going to be smarter than you guys and go Kentucky here, but that's why I get with letting you guys go first. But, yes, I will take the Wildcats. This game will probably come down to a field goal, and that's all I need to know just to take the Wildcats. So, Next up, probably my third most hated team so far on the mush. North Carolina <laughs> is going to North Carolina State. I don't have the line written down. I, I don't know why. Two and a half? It? It's not yeah, much, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not. Yeah, this line is actually surprisingly low for me, which might mean I'm a sucker. Um, but I don't know. I'm taking North Carolina. NC State played well at Virginia Tech last weekend, but it's Virginia Tech uh, in a matchup of Drake May against Brennan Armstrong with a three-point line, two-and-a-half, a field goal. I'm going to take North Carolina. Now, this game went to like five overtimes last year, and – I remember Mac Brown was on the sideline just standing there like this the whole time. Like that was his whole, the whole thing. Uh, but North Carolina has been really good against the spread against North Carolina State. 
five and zero the last time five five and zero the last five times they've played at NC State five and one in the last six times they've played, and North Carolina is kind of stumbling here. So I'm going to take UNC. I just think they have more firepower. Yeah, I'm going to do some Gorney math here. This this line is begging you to to take. Uh, I would say North Carolina because it's just two and a half. You're like, hey, field goal covers. Something is up. And usually when it feels that way, there is something up. I think NC State can play some defense. This is a very big rivalry, although it's it's not, you know, viewed as such, you know, nationally. Um, and the NC State home crowd is sneaky good. I've been to multiple games there. It's sneaky good there. They'll show up for UNC. So this is purely following Vegas. I don't trust Brendan Armstrong. I don't trust that offense, but I do think their defense maybe keeps a minute and something funky happens like we talked about at the Egg Bowl. So for some reason, I'll, I'll follow Vegas. Give me NC State. Uh, I'll, I'll take that bait on the other side. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm actually going to go North Carolina here, and I have to do a small rant because I don't know if you guys watched the game last week, but that was the whole North, North Carolina should have just, at least just covered the whole time. They were going to be up 14 nothing. The guy drops the ball, I believe, right before the goal line. Later in the game, they finally get the ball back to at least cover the seven and a half. And what is Drake May? Probably the number two pick in the draft. He throws a pick yeah. on the first play. I was like, we're at least going to score here. Like, I mean, I was like, throw on the dramatic music. Here it comes. And then we're going to they're gonna do an onside kick and not get it. But we're at least covering. I'm going to be the smartest man. Nope. He throws a pick. And it was the most frustrating game. My friend picked a parlay. That was going to be the big hook on it. And he ruined it for us. So. Oh, believe me, North Carolina has been frustrating. I mean, they they lost to Virginia and Georgia Tech in back-to-back weekends in October and then had their chances last weekend against Clemson. I mean, I don't know, they, you know, and all the loser coaches who were like, oh, we're three plays away from being undefeated. <laughs> like, like you know, they, they they actually could be like 11-1 and one right now. I think North Carolina is actually pretty good, so I'm sticking with them, even though it might be the sucker bet of the entire weekend. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, they're up there for me for USC and the University of Florida. Yeah. Is now they just they just joined the Mount Rushmore. So <laughs> all right. Uh Missouri is going to Arkansas seven and a half. Yeah. Uh this is what scares me about this game is that uh Missouri 90% of the bets and 95% of the money is on Missouri, and the line's really not moving all that much. So the other thing that I sort of like here is that Arkansas is 5-0 and against the spread at home against Missouri. Now, Arkansas can score, um, but they can't stop anybody. If I could get nine, what, what's what's the line here? Nine and a half? Seven and a half. If I could get eight, I'll take it. Uh, seven and a half, I guess, is, is essentially the same number. Uh, so I'm going to take Arkansas here. Don't love it. Would stay away from this game. Anytime 90% of the people are thinking one thing, it's going to go the other way. Include me in that 90%. I just, I, I saw this line and after that NC state UNC line, this was the other one that made me kind of squint and, and double check because I would have assumed a clear double digit line, maybe even, you know, 12 or 13 in this game, Missouri has showed up for every big game that, that it's uh, had on the schedule this year and, and really only lost you know, pretty much a shootout to LSU and, and Georgia's Georgia. I feel like that's its own category for the Tigers. So I, I'm shocked this line is under 10. Uh, so 
yeah, I will join the 90%. I got to balance myself out, right? I went against the suckers. Now I'm going to be one. And I think this is the lock of the week. They're just playing so great on offense. Brady Cook, uh, the running back's going crazy every week, and they still have this crazy receiver core. So I just don't see how, despite Arkansas being able to score, I don't see how they keep up with Missouri. This is, you know, 31-21, something in that ballpark, and I think the Tigers can win comfortably. So let's fire it up for lock of the week. I'm very proud of you, John. I actually was going to make a joke saying, "All right, John, here comes the Arkansas pick." It's just it's it's always given LSU and Arkansas, and I think I already made that joke two weeks ago, but I'm going to run it back. But yeah, no, I I like Missouri here. I mean, I actually thought they were going to beat Georgia, or no, they just can't kind of hang in there um, better than I'd actually thought. So yeah, Missouri's definitely the play. Um, yeah, and speaking of Georgia, one of the big lines of the week: Georgia's going to Georgia Tech, twenty-four and a half. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to bet on Georgia Tech. Uh, <laughs> this is actually a game that Georgia sort of gets up for to just kick ass. And uh, whether it's George Pickens fighting in the in the end zone or what have you, Georgia's also 5-0 and against the spread the last five times they've played there. The place will probably be packed with Georgia fans, it's, you know, an hour and a half down the road, two hours, whatever it is. I'm just taking Georgia here. I think Georgia Tech could score maybe a few times, but I don't think they could stop Georgia at all. Georgia might have the best offense in the country. I mean, uh, it is it is very, very impressive to watch that. It reminds me of the old Alabama teams, and I've said this for years. Their defense looks like the old Alabama defenses. And now they just sort of pick apart down the field. They run when they want to. They get first downs on every third down. Then they take a shot, and they score touchdowns. So I'm taking Georgia this – Feels like 45 17. Uh, I like the over too. So Georgia and the over. Yeah, this is this is one of those that from from a local perspective, you understand why it's a rivalry. It's Georgia versus Georgia Tech. But from a macro perspective, look, this is the school in Atlanta placing or fighting against the school that kind of thinks and represents Atlanta more so with with UGA. And that's a big deal between these players. It comes up in recruiting a ton as well. Uh, so like Gorney said, this this matters more to Georgia than I think most people realize. So, yeah, all the same reasons. Uh, Carson Beck is, has been sneaky, elite, and consistent all year long. And I think it's going to show up uh, once more, especially on the road. If this game was in Athens, I think it'd have a little bit of trap written all over it. Uh, but, but at Bobby Dodd, I think um, UGA comes to play down uh what is that i-85 um and they kick their ass so this is uga covering comfortably the show's getting a little bit of everything now we got gorney with weather john with directions and highways <laughs> we're, just, we're we're locking in now uh yeah just give me the dogs if anyone's a loyal listener they know my rules and georgia is just absolutely the play here all right. Well, I guess if there's ever going to be a fan club, I am definitely the president of the over-under Iowa games. I have told everyone that I know, and it's everyone's number one thing now to look out. And they tell me they they love it. I love it, and we have to talk about it. So, and and they're right. They're they're doing something that's working as well. So Unbelievable. Iowa, <laughs> Iowa is going to Nebraska, two and a half at a great twenty-six over-under. It's actually smaller, right? Oh, it's just above what the Georgia line is. <laughs> yeah, what the Georgia, Georgia. yeah, total, uh, yeah, the total is what the Georgia line is. So that's that's telling. <laughs> that's telling. If they could fire Brian Ferentz twice, I wish they could because this is just pitiful. <laughs> um, 
I'm taking the, the best bet on this game is the under. And I'm not kidding. I was under five of the last five games on the road was under. Um, here's the interesting. There's there's some interesting stats in this game, though, because Iowa's five and oh straight up the last five times they've played on the road against Nebraska. Now, with the game a minus one or a plus one, however, whatever you're going to get it at, that means Iowa should be the bet. But Nebraska's four and one against the spread in the last five times playing Iowa. So there's not really an advantage there. I would like to see how big those lines were against the spread in the last five matchups. Um, and, and there's also sort of some dichotomy in the over-unders. Iowa's five, five of the last five times on the road, they've gone under. But six of the last seven times in this game, it's gone over. So could I see a 17-10 shootout? Yes, I could. Shootout. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. So um, I don't know. The 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 public is sort of leaning Nebraska here, which has flipped the line. The money is following them. I don't really get why. I, I don't really sense that Iowa can't show up and shut down that vaunted Nebraska offense. I'm just gonna. I don't know. I'm just going to take Nebraska and follow the money here. Yeah, this is obviously a coin flip type of game, and the under is the most intriguing storyline, which is just amazing to talk about in 2023. But look, two great defenses, you know, that Nebraska home sellout streak I think is still alive, so that will matter and factor in to this game. But Iowa doesn't really turn it over. I think that's going to flip this game one way or the other. I think Nebraska's going with Chubba Purdy, at QB, I think this is, you know, a, a little bit of a, a risky play for the Cornhuskers. So if that's the case, I, I could see a turnover on that side, maybe, you know, changing the, the course of this game. So I'll take Iowa kind of by default, but yeah, don't feel good about that. Feel better about the under. I'm just going to go Nebraska just for home field advantage. And that is literally the only reason I do want to make a side note. What are your guys' thoughts? I was, I've been joking, and I don't know, I'm kind of getting serious about it. What is it, Parker, the defensive coordinator for Iowa? SC is going to the Big Ten. It's like what? A, it's a proven pro. It's a proven system to shut down the points. A man like Phil Parker will never leave Iowa City. Man, he's locked in <laughs> for life. If, I don't know if I'm if I'm the athletic. If I'm at SC, you know, I, I need someone to shut down the points. It's a lot of. There's been a lot of unders at that Iowa. You know, I'm just saying. They're going to the conference. It might be something. Yeah, but Lincoln scores in like six plays, so he's going to have a lot more to do. I've, Iowa holds the ball for eight, nine minutes at a time and then punts from the 34-yard line. So <laughs> The numbers are the numbers. I look at the numbers. <laughs> All right. Uh, Washington State is going to Washington 16 and a half. The Apple Cup. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, I'm taking Washington state here. I just think 16 and a half is too much. Um, it's a big flip situation too. So somebody in Vegas is putting a big, big number on Washington state. Now, what's interesting is, is that this opened at 13 and has gone up to 16 and a half. Um, even though that the, the bets are sort of split. So there's probably some money coming in on Washington too. Um, but, but I think 16 and a half in a rivalry game. This game sort of always gets a little tricky. Um, when John talks, I'll check out the weather situation there. I was going to ask. <laughs> um, you know, Washington uh, is obviously 
playing for uh, playing for a college football berth, which means that they'll win the game. But man, 17 is a lot of points for a, for a Washington State team that has a lot of fight to it. Yeah, this is a scary line. Washington State can score. They've been inconsistent, yes, but they can throw it and they can score uh, with Cam Ward. Um, my question lies more with Washington. You know, they've survived some really tough calls, kind of had a letdown in the second half last week, but they figured it out there at the end uh, against OSU. So it's like they'll survive this game, like Gorney said, but uh, 16 and a half does seem like a heck of a lot, unless Washington State just doesn't show up. So I do think the, the home field advantage is interesting here, and I'm curious to hear what the weather is before I make my final pick. 46 sunny, very little wind, which is shocking for this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me Wazoo. Give me Wazoo. I think both teams will check it around the yard a little bit, but I think the Cougars can hang around. Yeah. I'm actually, I think the best bet's the over under, and I like the over. This is going to be a massive shootout. Washington State looked very good against Colorado's third string quarterback. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if it was at Washington State, that's also one of my rules. That field is five – is like what, like 200 yards sideline to sideline. I don't care what you say. It's massive on TV. It's massive. <laughs> no one can ever play there. But it's at Washington. They're going for the playoffs. Penix still wants to try to put his name out there for the Heisman, all that good stuff. So as much as I hate that line, Washington will get it done, and I would take the over. 68 and a half. That's a lot of points. What did I say? 68. Oh, yeah. I think he meant the uh, sorry, yeah, sixteen and a half is a lot. Washington State scores a lot. Cam Cam looks pretty good yeah, right now. Is. Notre Dame's going to Stanford. Uh, massive line again, twenty five and a half. Notre Dame. Uh, Stan Stanford's done. Uh, <laughs> they're four and one. Notre Dame's four and one the last five times that they've gone on the road against Stanford, and those were. You know, usually at least in the early part of that, uh, better Stanford teams. So this is a 42-0 kind of game. I think Notre Dame shows up. Uh, I don't think Stanford has much, and the crowd will not be much of a factor at all. So I think Notre Dame puts a nice number on them. I just don't. I just don't think Stanford has much left. I mean, they're just they just don't have a lot of talent on that team right now. Troy Taylor is trying to rebuild them from a pro style running team into a spread team that will take a while. Notre Dame's offensive line will push Stanford around. They'll run the ball like crazy and then they can throw it. And I don't think Stanford could do much against one of the best defenses in the country. If, if Ohio state can score 17 against Notre Dame, only 17, I don't know if Stanford gets it past the 30 yard line. So I'm taking Notre Dame in a very comfortable win. Yeah, what made this rivalry sort of special over the last however many years is that there were similarities between these two programs in terms of wanting to win the line of scrimmage, run the football and play defense, kind of like we talked about in the Big Ten. But it's a different Stanford team. You're absolutely right here, Gorney. And the strength of Notre Dame's defense is its secondary. So Stanford wants to throw it around. Notre Dame's strength is a secondary. Yeah, this is this is a blowout comfortably here for Marcus Freeman as, as the Irish uh, round out the regular season with uh, a nice win. Yep, Notre Dame's obviously the play, and I was going to make a joke saying uh, everyone's ridden off this game, even the networks, because what doesn't Notre Dame have like the deal with NBC or something? Or they're always they're always on NBC, and this this week they're actually on the Pac-12 network. Oh man, it's, it's, it's just man, it's just no, not even Peacock. <laughs> no, that that right. just shows you that like what how good this weekend and and how 
they just got pushed to the side because I mean Notre Dame is always on TV when they play Marshall, they play anything like that. It's always on NBC primetime, you know. And now it's they're going to the Pac-12 network. Pac-12. We don't even have that in California. This is the last week ever of it, right? Right. I I don't well, really I know. Don't know. They decided <laughs> what they're doing with it, honestly. So. <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. All right, Clemson is going to South Carolina seven. Yeah, interesting game here. Uh, man, it's just what South Carolina team shows up. You know what I mean? I I think we know what Clemson team is going to show up. Um, you know, I think they're going to be steady. They're not going to blow anybody out. And then that puts the fear in it. South Carolina is playing for a bowl game here. Um, you know, they beat Kentucky last week, but Kentucky blew that game. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Kentucky blew that game. So is this the team that, uh, you know, can't can't move the ball and score against Missouri and gets blown out? Or is this the team that kind of took it to Vandy and then beat Kentucky at home? I'm going to take Clemson here. And I don't love the pick. I don't love how the numbers are, are playing out. I just think that Clemson has a lot more talent on this team. And Clemson is 7-1 and one the last eight times they've played in this matchup. So... The under, actually, five of the last six times they've played um, in Columbia has hit, um, which you would think you'd take South Carolina, but I'm going to take Clemson here, but don't love it. Yeah, that South Carolina defense just hasn't been good. Clemson will overwhelm you, but they will run it at you with with uh, Shipley and Mafa and those guys. So if Clemson can take care of the ball and, and just kind of present something, you know, to that secondary, I think this is a comfortable Clemson victory, especially because you said you said it, Gorney, seven and one in the last eight. That one came last year when Spencer Rattler went scorched earth the last couple of weeks of the season. So it being in Columbia does make me pause a little bit with, with the Clemson selection, especially at seven and not six and a half. Uh, but unless Rattler can somehow manifest what he did at the end of last year, uh, I don't think South Carolina competes here uh and clemson's secondary is strong we know that the gamecocks want to throw it and, and clemson is prepared for that so i think clemson comfortably maybe by 10 points uh in this rivalry yeah for me this is the battle of two frustrating teams all year i can never pick them like clemson has ruined so many picks for me this year but i'll, I'll take clemson i hate it but i'll take it it's fine they they can cover the seven and we move on with our lives all right on to our favorite team of the year, Arizona, going to Arizona State, 10 and a half. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I wonder how much the kids at Arizona have heard the Jed Fish talk about getting any job known to man out there and if they are listening to that stuff. It's interesting. Um, no real trends in this game. Arizona is 6-1 in their last seven games. But Arizona State's 5-1 and one in the last six times they've played Arizona. The problem is, is that Arizona State stinks, and Arizona's really good. Um, at least they can score. So the public likes Arizona here, but the money's following them. I just don't think Arizona State, you know, and, and again, this is a rivalry game, and double-digit in a rivalry game of marginally decent teams is, uh, is scary, but... You know, I think they're going to be able to pass it. They're going to be able to run it. And I just don't know what Arizona State can do to stop it. So I'm going to take Arizona here and stick with T-Mac and Fafita. 
Yeah, I wish I had a stat on the outgoing coaches as they level up because um, it seems like they always win their games on the way out. And then you get the awkward interview afterwards. Like, hey, are you going – Mike Norvell, are you going to Florida State? He's like, well, we're just happy that, you know, we played I haven't well even thought about it. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm focused on, you know, the Memphis Tigers today. Um, so if we get something like that, I actually feel good about that team because it seems like the coaches kind of leave it all out there. Um, so that coupled with Arizona State just not being that great, uh, I think it makes it comfortable for uh, the Wildcats once again. Yeah, uh, Arizona's definitely the play. They looked great against Utah last week. Uh, John, you said it right. They're going to keep playing hard. I'm actually going to make this lock of the week. I don't think 10 half's very scary. They're going to keep pressing on Arizona State, who actually has had weirdly good home games this year. Um, but it's not enough. This game will definitely be a two-touchdown game. So. Anyways, all right, Florida is going to oh, – I'm sorry, Florida State is going to Florida, six and a half. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. Last weekend was really the first time that I saw Napier just really angry on the sidelines about how that Missouri game ended. And it's it, honestly inexcusable. I think it was fourth, fourth and 17, or was it fourth and 20? 17, yeah. And, and Luther Burden gets open across the middle. I mean, you've got to be kidding me that that happened. And then they go down and win the game. Now, can Florida rebound from that in such a short time? Uh, the problem here is, is I think they can, and here's why. They need this game to go to a bowl game, um, and Florida State is starting trotting out Tate Rodemaker now. So um, I'm going to take Florida here. Six and a half does scare me a little bit. I don't think they win, but I don't think Florida State is kind of is, is coming in here to run it up. So Florida has a lot to play for. Florida State just has to escape with a win. Maybe Florida State is just far better than Florida, um, but I'm going to take the Gators here. Yeah, look, you know, Florida's trotting out their backup quarterback too, uh, yeah, but he's a dual cool. threat. He, he's a dual threat in Max Brown and, those QBs have, have given FSU some fits. You think of a Virginia Tech, Boston College games that FSU should have, you know, run away with. They didn't because of, of that mobile quarterback. Uh, and Florida can run the football uh, with, with ETN and, and Johnson. So I think they could possess it and maybe give FSU a little bit of problems with that quarterback. And, and look, conversely, we, we just don't know. We just don't know what FSU is without Jordan Travis because he's been the guy for, it seems like, four years yeah. in Tallahassee. And, and like I talked about with NC State – you talk about a good crowd that will show up. I mean, it's going to be packed in the swamp. It will be rocking for for their chief rivals. So, yeah, I kind of am talking myself into taking Florida here, and I I didn't think I would do that. Um, so I'll take the trends here. Like Gorney said, FSU's got to survive and then beat Louisville. And even then, you might not be a lock for the playoff because yeah. of that Travis injury. So I just think it's, it's a deflate. It's just a devastating – injury against North Alabama of all people. And, and I think that could have some carryover in this game. So gosh, I was going to pick FSU when you sent the list out, Corey, but I think I'm flipping to, to the Gators here. The, which is, uh, I know what you're not going to do. <laughs> the swamp will be packed if for nothing else than to just yell at Billy Napier all day, all day. So they'll be, they'll be rocking the, that place. One yeah. Way I mean, could he be coaching for his job? I mean, you could make that argument. I mean, it's, it's tough to do it in, in just two years, but there have been some epic collapses for this Florida program, so it would be it's going to be fascinating there. Um, yeah, as as fascinating as two backup quarterbacks can be. <laughs> yeah. 
was like, I'm actually just going to go to the home team here. I'm going to go Florida. And I think we see it all the time, especially um, these teams that had these quarterbacks for a long time. When they lose their big star, their big playmaker, the team kind of falls down. And I'll, I'll just kind of go what history says, and the team will have a trouble bouncing back, and they're not going to be at home. So they're going to have to play with all the noise and everything. So give me Florida, please. All right. Oregon State is going to Oregon, 13 and a half. Now, are they allowed to call this the Civil War anymore? Is that is that term not uh, <laughs> not allowed anymore? They can't call it the the world's greatest cocktail party, as if people outside of college football games don't drink. You know, it's like so stupid. Um, you know, the the over under in this game. I looked at this too while researching the Washington over under is sixty two and a half. Um, that that's high, but. The over has hit nine of the last 10 times when Oregon State played at Oregon. So they can score points there. Um, this is an interesting game because, again, I think Oregon feels like they need to run up scores a little bit um, against teams. But this Oregon State team does not seem like one to be blown out. Uh, there is a little payback here for Oregon. This was uh, the history of Dan Lanning making some really – boneheaded decisions down the stretch to lose that game last year. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to do it again, but I also don't think Oregon's going to blow them out here. So I could see a 42 31 kind of game. I'm going to take Oregon state. Yeah, I'm with you. This line was shockingly big when, when it came out, especially given not only the history of this rivalry, which is another one more intense than people realize, but, also, given what Oregon State has put out the last few weeks, I mean, if you could, if you could basically shut out Washington in a half, your defense can play uh, against Oregon, against Georgia, Bama, anybody, Ohio State. So I think uh, that co coming off of a loss, even though you performed well, I think that will carry over into this game, and I think it'll be really competitive all the way through. I'd pick Oregon to win it, but thirteen and a half is a little too much. So give me the, give me the Beavers. It's fine. Some people aren't scared. I'm not scared. Give me the Ducks. They're, they're, they're going for the playoff. They want to prove something. It's a good enough team to give them some bump to get them into that top four. That's fine. You guys can take the Beavers and the Civil War or whatever it's going to be called now, but I will take the Ducks. No problem. I also worry about a little bit of focus. Jonathan Smith is reportedly interviewed for Michigan State leading candidate possibly so that does make this a little more interesting but uh i think he goes out with a bang we'll see alabama's going to auburn 14 and a half yeah um man you think alabama could just walk in there and, and name the uh name the score but i will say again Right when you think Auburn can't get any worse after losing to New Mexico State, and not only losing to them, but yeah. like honestly being the worst team, the, the 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 lesser team on the field. I mean, no New Mexico State was running at them and could not be stopped. Now it was probably a little bit of a look ahead, um, look ahead to another butt kicking maybe. But Auburn is four and one in the last five against Alabama. There, I I don't care. I. I, I just don't, I, you know, I, I hate rivalry games with big spreads like this, but Alabama is still playing for a whole lot. Auburn is really not, and Auburn might just not be very good. 
Um, so I think that defense overwhelms. I think Milrow has a big day. And I think this is one of those years in the, in the, um, in the rivalry game that kind of gets out of hand. So I'm going to see, I see a 35, 10 kind of game. So I'm going to take the tide on the road. Yeah. When, when Auburn has an opportunity to, to knock off their rival, they usually have an offense to go along with it. And this year they just don't, uh, they can't throw it. They, they don't run it as well as they used to. And we know Alabama's defense is as, as good a defense as, as Nick Saban has trotted out there, which, which says a lot. So that will carry and travel uh, to the plains, and then offensively, look, Alabama's been getting better and better, as you said, Gorney. Jalen Milrow has, has maybe not so quietly, not only taken this job, but but run with it quite literally. Um, and they've got a lot to play for, style-wise, when it comes to the playoff. You know, if there's any team that's going to sneak in, you know, with one loss, we know historically it's Alabama, and that means they got to take care of business. And I think they do in this game. Not so much that they go crazy from a points perspective. I just don't see Auburn getting much past, you know. 10 or 12 points in this game. So, yeah, this is a comfortable Crimson Tide win. Now, Urban Meyer did say that Jalen Milrow is the Percy Harvin and Reggie Bush. That's absurd. The, that's that's a little hyperbolic. <laughs> that, that might be a little over the top since Reggie Bush slash Percy Harvin was benched maybe twice this season already for Ty Simpson and who was it? Oh, Tyler Buckner. Yeah. Buckner, uh, yeah, and – there was, you know, off-season reporting that Alabama was trying to go and get Drake May. Uh, you know, I I don't think Nick Saban thinks he has Percy Harvin and Reggie Bush, but he is improving. And like you said, John, Auburn just does not have offense. So this could be close. This could be 10-3 at halftime, but then I think Alabama pulls away. Yep, Alabama's. Alabama's the play. Everyone knows my rules. Saving every time. All right. We made it finally. Big game, the final game. This is it. Ohio State, Michigan, three and a half. Yeah, we're finally here. Uh, man, let me let me pull this up. I, I have to pull something up here because I think it's actually interesting. The what's interesting about this game here again is that um, the public loves Ohio State, um, and I think. This could be a play on maybe Sharon Moore doesn't have it in him to beat Ryan Day. Um, this could be a historical perspective that Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State three straight times since 1995 to 1997. This could be that Ohio State has completely dominated this series until Michigan started cheating. I, I, I didn't say cheating. I meant um, scouting their opponents in a way that is questionable to the Big Ten, the NCAA, and any human being that has any sense. Um, you know, but Ryan Day hired possibly hired a private eye to investigate this. Uh, and Michigan has shown at least some uh hesitancy into, into thinking that they could blow them out. Penn, they didn't play great against Penn State, they won. They had to run the ball 33 straight times where they felt that they could. Maryland was on the precipice of winning that game last week. If you're going to give me Ohio State and points in this game over a field goal, I'm going to take Ohio State. This is, you know, any talk of Ryan Day being fired for this is absolutely ridiculous if he loses again. Um, but, man, 
to lose three straight times to Michigan, especially with what's going on at Michigan now. Um, I don't know who Ryan Day would hire after a private investigator, um, but I'm this 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 almost feels like it means more to Ohio State than Michigan. Maybe Harbaugh and those guys are just in their heads so much, but I'm just going to take Ohio State here. Yeah, look, Michigan's got excuses, built-in excuses to to drop this one, to not follow through on the playoff like we've seen over the last couple of years. And, and like Gordy said, Ohio State with more than a field goal is crazy. I, we've probably we've probably never seen that uh, in in the recent era. So I like Ohio State here straight up. I think that outside of maybe the quarterback and and the the, the tailback tandem, I think Ohio State's better at every other position. And the difference going into this year is that Ohio State's defense, once again, is really good. Maybe the best in the country when, when all is said and done. And with what Michigan wants to do is play that bully ball. And I think Ohio State is finally equipped to, to meet that head-to-head. doesn't mean they're going to stop it, but I think they'll be able to slow it down and they'll do just enough offensively to win, you know, 21-17, something like that. So the Buckeyes get it done and uh, their path to the playoff becomes probably the easiest in the country after Saturday. Yep, you guys said all the right things for me to take Ohio State. I was going to ask you guys if it was flipped, I think it's just whoever gets the points kind of thing. Like if it was flipped and it was plus three and a half for Michigan at home, is that the play then? Or is it always going to be Ohio State? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, God, I just – there's so much going into this game. Um, God, I I don't know. I I, I don't think – I actually sort of prefer the under, even though this game has gone over the last two years, I just sort of prefer the under here in the sense that both teams are going to be so hyped, so stupidly hyped for this game that maybe they make mistakes and there's some breakaway runs. I just think there's a lot of three and outs early on, maybe some deep ball interceptions, stuff like that. So um, Ryan Day has waited a year, if not longer, for this. Someone has hired a private investigator to look into Michigan and found stuff. I mean, this is beyond just winning a football game at this point. For sure. All right. Well, it's been a long one. Let's close it out real quick. Lock of the week. Uh, I picked Arizona. John picked Missouri. Uh, Adam, did I miss yours, or do we have a story? No, I got I got one here. I got a big one, and, and it goes to the Florida International Western Kentucky game. Oh, baby. Oh, the, the, the <laughs> I thought we were going to get a, a Go Army Beat Navy here. Wait. <laughs> uh, that's next week. That's next week. That's next week. Next week. <laughs> when you look at a game, you know, Vegas is sharp on this on the rivalry games. They they care about the Ohio State Michigan spread. That's what keeps the lights on at the Bellagio and at the Yahoo Sportsbook. But when they when they were booking the Western Kentucky FIU game, they don't care. They don't give two craps about that number, which means that's where you can find find the good juicy numbers. And Western Kentucky is the play. Here's why. 62% of the public is on Florida International. The line has not moved off of Western Kentucky minus 10. So they're, they're, they keep wanting people to go into FIU. Let me just remind you, FIU got blown out at Arkansas last week. They're hurting. They got beat up by an SEC team. The week before that, they lost 40-6 to to Middle Tennessee. The week before that, they lost 41-16 to Jacksonville State. 
Now, Western Kentucky's not knocking anybody's socks off. They do give up the run, but Florida International can't run the ball. They're averaging a paltry 2.9 yards per carry. And you know what they what they also can't do? They can't throw it. They only have nine <laughs> passing touchdowns all year. Western Kentucky has 28. Western Kentucky is already in a bowl game. They're looking pretty. FIU is three and nine. They've lost three straight. They're going to get blitzed in this game. Western Kentucky big. When you lose all on the rivalry games, uh, take Western Kentucky later in the day and you'll be a happy man. Western Kentucky is the play. Love it. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. Uh, once again, I'm Corey Gibson. It's Adam Gorney, John Garcia Jr. This has been The Mush. Please follow us on all the platforms. Like, subscribe, and comment. Any questions that you have for the experts. We will see you guys next week. Thank you.